If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. If you want to listen live, all you have to do is download the iHeartRadio app and search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Also, if you want to catch this show on video, be sure to check out Zumo TV, channel 719. That's where you can find SportsGrid's Fantasy Sports Network. Enjoy the show, and thanks so much for listening. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Daily Roto TV here on SportsGrid. I'm Davis Maddock, joined today by Christopher Pacheco. Uh, in this show, we are going to do a big recap of the action from the German Bundesliga that took place on Saturday, Sunday, and Monday. Uh, it was great to have television back on TV. You know, also there was some golf as well uh, with the driving relief. You know, we got to see Rory McIlroy win a closest to the pin competition uh, a little a little anticlimactic but i thought overall you know a, a pretty great event but pacheco you know it uh it sort of felt like normal woke up saturday morning yeah. drank some coffee ate some breakfast and there was uh there was professional soccer on my television it uh it felt pretty great yeah it's it, it did feel great uh also we have the uh the kbo so we have some baseball uh as well you know it's Davis, it's it's not perfect. It's not you know all the leagues that we're accustomed to seeing, but at least we have some live sports on television. And from watching the KBO and soccer, uh, the Bundesliga as well, you know we were all concerned about how how are sports going to look without the fans in them. I, I thought it was a legitimate concern, but from what I've seen, these leagues have handled it you know exceptionally well. The players are playing really hard. Um, so it doesn't seem to be affecting it as much as perhaps I thought or the public thought. Uh, I mean, I guess one of the things I thought in terms of watching the German league was I thought the teams were really going to struggle on offense. You know, I just thought 
the cohesion was going to be off. I thought, you know, these guys haven't practiced. A lot of these guys are not in shape. In fact, uh, there was an emergency ruling from FIFA and UEFA that every team playing was allowed to make five substitutions. You know, for those who don't know, the the general rule is that every team is only allowed three substitutions. So there were definitely some concerns about match fitness and uh, the exact opposite happened. This was a weekend full of goals, and we're going to go ahead and go through uh, some of these interesting game box scores and stuff. But, you know, we had uh, three goals in Hoffenheim, Hertha Berlin, zero goals in Dusseldorf, Paderborn, three goals in Wolfsburg, Augsburg, four goals by Borussia Dortmund in a big derby game against hometown rivals Schalke. Uh, RB Leipzig and Freiburg was a disappointing game in terms of goal output, but there were tons of shots, uh, loads of goals in the games on Sunday, you know, four goals in FC Cologne and Mainz 05. So, you know, I, I actually sort of think that the units that were most hurt by the layoff was not offenses, Pacheco, but actually I thought the defenses really struggled and the goalkeepers to me seemed out of it. Like I, I thought the goalkeepers really struggled more so almost than anyone. Yeah, certainly. Um, but, but I still thought that the, the on field product was really solid, especially when you consider that these guys were off for, for a long time. I realized that, you know, they had already played games in this league. So this is just them resuming the campaign. But I thought all in all, it was still a pretty solid product given given the fact that they've been laid off. Yeah. So, uh, you know, digging into a couple of these games before we start thinking about specific, uh, you know, fantasy contests, gambling outcomes. Uh, I thought uh, I thought one of the most interesting games to wager on was going to be that Borussia Dortmund Schalke game. Dortmund was actually only listed as like a really thin favorite in this game, about minus 115, kind of depending on the book and uh, and when you bet this. Uh, a very interesting game for uh, American audiences because Borussia Dortmund has two American players, Giovanni Reina and Christian Pulisic. Giovanni Reina was slated to start in this game, but actually got injured in warm-up. Seems like he was probably trying maybe, uh, you know, maybe trying a little bit too hard to uh, to really psych himself up. Uh, you know, he knew that a lot of Americans were going to be watching this game. Uh, it was reported that this game on FS1 Pacheco had a 750% increase in terms of Nielsen rating compared to what the average Bundesliga game on FS1 got. So, you know, maybe maybe you can say it's not that popular. You know, the contest on DraftKings didn't get filled that much. But it is it is 100% true that this was basically the most watched German soccer game in American history. People were down to watch this game. Yeah, and I would think, you know, if... if American sports uh, aren't back this summer. Uh, expect, you know, something like the Bundesliga to continue to be even more popular and continue to post, you know, those eye-popping numbers that you mentioned uh, on TV, Davis. I thought this, you know, this BBB Chalka game was going to be a good one and ended up being 4-0. It wasn't that, you know, it wasn't a good game, but it, it ended up being a blowout. I, I thought, you know, from a shots perspective, the game was pretty close uh, all in all. Uh, yeah. But obviously, you know, from a goal scoring perspective, it, it really wasn't. And you look at some of the other metrics, too, and it seems like BBB just dominated kind of throughout the game, especially from a touch touch standpoint and really from a, a possession standpoint. Yeah, I mean, the, the score line definitely does flatter Dortmund a little bit. So the first goal, uh, it was, uh, you know, just kind of a... a 
uh, an individual moment of brilliance from Erling or from Erling brought Halan. So uh, Thorgan Hazard is bringing the ball up the right wing. He doesn't really have many options with it. So he just crosses it into the center of the goal, kind of hoping for something good to happen. Halan, you know, just gets a step on his center back and just sort of deflects it into the net. It, it's the kind of goal that when you're sitting there watching the game, you're you if you're looking at your phone or you know whatever you, you know go to the go to the bathroom drinking a cup of coffee like you're not you're not sitting there you're not sitting there expecting a goal to come and it was kind of just one of those moments and uh, the same was definitely true of uh, the third goal in this game as well. Uh, the, the, w- this was Thorgan Hazard's goal. It was right at the beginning of the second half. I mean, this is a shot that I think is stopped by a goalie. I don't know, 90% of the time, but basically Thorgan Hazard, you know, collects the ball. He's right outside of the 18 yard box. Uh, Dortmund is kind of counterattacking on this goal. He can shoot left corner, right corner, but either way he goes, you know, the goalie's probably going to get to it. And, uh, you know, for whatever reason, Schalke's goalie just doesn't move. You know, Thorgan Hazard kind of sends him the wrong way and he just sits there and he's standing stationary as the ball goes by him. So, you know, Pacheco, as you mentioned, this was not a game where one team, you know, shot so many more than the others. Uh, Dortmund only had four corners in this game. Uh, the Ariels' one numbers are really close. Uh, Schalke shot ten times. Dortmund shot eleven times. It was just, it was just kind of one of those situations where, uh, when it when it rains, it pours, I guess. And and everything that could have gone bad for Schalke did go bad in this game. So Dortmund definitely, I mean, I I think. Um, you know they are they are feeling good about their spot in the table. They've won five games in a row. They are now four points behind Bayern Munich to win the title. So you know there's there's not a ton of game left or anything like this. But this huge result here from Dortmund. I mean theoretically they just need a they need a loss at at some point for Bayern. But they can they can win this league. I think. Yeah, they certainly can. It's. They, they seem to have the talent to be able to win it. You just wonder if, you know, Bayern can kind of fall uh, a little bit. I mean, th- this weekend they won, too, even though they had a, a really easy matchup, and, and it wasn't close. They did actually win 2-0, uh, whereas BBB won 4-0. But their game, I, I thought, really wasn't close in, in any respect. Yeah, so we, we, can, uh, we can definitely talk about the Bayern Munich game. This was... Uh... I think this was one of the most interesting games because they were huge favorites. They were minus 1,200 mm-hmm. favorites. They were actually... So, you know, the way that spread betting in soccer works is that even these massive, massive favorites, you know, we're talking like you'll never see an NBA game or an MLB game or a football game where a team is a, you know, minus 1,400 favorite just because those mm-hmm. sports just feature way too much variance. Um and in this game, it really was not competitive. So Bayern holds 67% of the possession. They have an 83% pass success rate uh, against Union Berlin, who holds a 67% pass success rate. They win more aerials. You know, they win loads more corners. They dispossess the other team, you know, a number of more times. But they just were able to get so many shots off. They shot 13 times. And that was kind of with them playing in second gear for a large chunk of the second half. I mean, this game, this game truly was not really competitive, but only two, only two goals. So Lewandowski scores one as a penalty, and then Benjamin Pavard, the right back for Bayern, scores one as well. That was, uh, you know, kind of a, a screamer, an outside of the box shot. So, you know, I'm kind of wondering, was this one of the games that was really influenced by? the time off basically like did Bayern having so much time away from the game 
basically just mean that they were not able to really go into like fifth gear in terms of intensity mm-hmm. and was their offense sort of struggling. And this is definitely a game that, again, saw a huge market audience. It was on Sunday afternoon. You know, this game was on Fox Sports. This game was, you know, really broadcast to a a wide American audience. Like, you know, I think probably there were a a large amount of people that watched this game instead of watching the golf or the NASCAR, basically. Yeah, certainly, especially with Bayern. I mean, they're kind of like... What would you uh, compare them to, say, in baseball? Probably like the Yankees. Yeah, like like the Yankees or the Cowboys. Like they are they are a a global brand. You know, like uh, you know, there there is a chance that maybe not your grandma, but maybe your mom would have heard of Bayern Munich or whatever. You know, like they are they are a a big team in terms of how things work globally. I think. Well, I thought like I agree with all your points. It's just the the fact that they didn't go into that fifth gear for me just signified the strength of the opponent because they, they really didn't have to um you know they, they just went up to zero and then they just kind of possessed the ball for most of most of the time just passed it around and I, I like i didn't think there was much interest in continuing to just generate offense so like once they were ahead i think they knew this game was over and there was no need to go into that fifth gear yeah, I I mean I I think that um I think that that is I think that that is definitely true, right? Like and and that's something that we are going to have to think about when yeah. we are uh when we are uh betting these games, you know, cuz you know, you know, you're going to want to want to you want to bet some German soccer, right? Like we we are sure. definitely going to want to do that especially over the course of uh you know trying to to figure out when sports are uh you know when sports are going to get back. So, I definitely think that, you know, focusing on which teams are going to have that uh, that drive to really go and and get the game. And Bayern just clearly is not that team. You know, sixty seven percent possession. They uh, they could have they could have gotten more out of this game in terms of goal differential, and they just didn't really care. Whereas you know Dortmund is definitely going to be a team uh, that is going to be chasing it, that that are going to try and you know get there for uh, going to try and get there for the rest of the game. I think that. Uh, Borussia Mönchengladbach, another team that is chasing the title, is going to be very similar. Uh, I think RB Leipzig, who, you know, I, I think most the most disappointing outcome of this entire weekend was Leipzig not being able to find a win against a very low in the table um, Freiburg, right? So, so Freiburg mm-hmm. right now, uh, they are one of the teams that theoretically, uh, I guess they could be fighting to get a European place, but they have... Only 37 points generated. You know, remember, we get three points for a win. And uh, they're 26 games into the season. Leipzig has 51 points generated through 26 games of the season. So definitely, you know, a lot going on there. And they were only able to draw 1-1. We can dig into the box score of that game when we get back from break. But we are going to go ahead and head to break here on the Daily Roto Hour on SportsGrid TV. When we get back, we are going to talk some more German Bundesliga, look at some more box scores, go over them, and then also probably discuss some of the ways that uh, DraftKings contest went over the weekend. DailyRoto.com. Learn from the game's best DFS players. We don't just give you premier advice. We play every day. All major sports, all year round, we never stop. Industry-leading DFS tools and custom projections. And now, the DailyRoto.com Optimizer. In minutes, build an optimized lineup for cash games and tourneys. Learn from the game's best DFS players. Join DailyRoto.com. 
If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, at the very least, as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And guess what? So are we. Just in case you forgot, I'm Tori Deal. I'm a six-time finalist and a Challenge champion. And I'm Anissa Ferrer, and I've been gracing your screens for the last two decades. I am a veteran challenger and challenge all-star. And speaking of all-stars, All-Stars 4 is finally here. I'm going to be honest. I literally thought this day was never going to come. Well, the challenge gods have answered our prayers, and we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, redemption seekers, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. Anyone can win, relationships matter, and only one all-star will claim the title of Challenge Champion. Listen to MTV's official Challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, hello everyone, and welcome back from break here on the Daily Roto Hour on Sports Grid TV. I'm Davis Maddock, joined by Christopher Pacheco. Uh, if you're just now joining us, we are sort of going through the German Bundesliga top flight soccer football action uh, overseas. You know, it is it is the biggest league in the world that has returned. You know, I know people are loving the Outlaw Tour. I know people are loving the NASCAR. <laughs> but uh, we're talking about a league worth billions of dollars with multi-million dollar athletes. Like this is these are real stars. You know, they, uh, mm-hmm. Dor- Dortmund, Bayern, these guys have had athletes on the cover of FIFA. So this is this is a this is a big league. So uh, this is this is a big league and uh, a game. So, I think the I think the most interesting game on the weekend is RB Leipzig and SC Freiburg. This uh, you know Leipzig was a minus three hundred favorite. Uh, the the actually the money line in this game for a tie would have paid three to one on your bet on DraftKings and FanDuel. So that would have been uh, that definitely would have been a nice sweat. So in this game, uh, Leipzig shoots twenty two times. Freiburg shoots only six times. Scores with their only shot on target. Pacheco. So that's uh, 
that's always uh, that's always going to be a tilting situation for opponents. But the reason why this is such a game, a big game, is is theoretically before this draw, not only was Leipzig, you know probably favored to finish second in the league, but maybe even uh, a better overall team than Borussia Dortmund, the team that currently sits in second place. And, uh, you know, there's just no way you can point this game as to being super disappointing for uh, for Leipzig, who, you know, they have 67% possession in this game, mm-hmm. 22 shots to uh, six for Freiburg. But Freiburg, uh, actually, as the as the road team, comes into Leipzig and uh, and is able to get away with the draw. Yeah, that's. The, I mean, it's the challenge with uh, you know with games like that are in basketball, pretty much, and are and are so event oriented. Sometimes. It's just it's just not going to go your way uh, in a game of soccer, and you know a one-one tie against a team that they should have been, you know, pretty easily um, has to be a really disappointing outcome for them, especially when you consider that shot differential that you mentioned, Davis, twenty-two to six. This game really wasn't close uh, on, on the on the box score, but then you look at the actual score and ends up being a tie. So no way around it. It, it certainly was a disappointing outcome for Leipzig. But it, you have—I mean, Freiburg, who's not a team that's going to contend, but they have to be elated for a one-one tie against a team that they—they they really should have lost. You know, literally every single time that that this game gets played. Yeah, I mean, you—you you would really just overall, you would really just expect Leipzig to win this game more often than not. Uh, you know, it's just and and uh, by the way, for those of you who are playing DFS uh, and those of you who are gambling, like. These things do happen in soccer way, mm-hmm. way, way more often than they're going to happen in football or baseball because of the way that scoring works. You know, if you are if you are just, uh, you know, getting getting uh, actually, you know what? Maybe this is kind of like in baseball where a guy gets super lucky with Babip. Do you remember uh, Armando sure. Galarraga's, uh, <laughs> you know, perfect game like the guy was not generating any strikeouts. He was just getting out after out after out with ground balls and fly balls. And that's kind of what happens in these scenarios, right? So we see we see basically, uh, you know, just uh, fly track or um, uh, like what the warning track, warning track power, right? right? So, right. so Leipzig is just getting all these, they're getting all these shots and uh, just none of them went out for for the home run and they they were able to scratch a goal back in the 77th minute for uh here here's a great story for for people who are new to the German Bundesliga they have this forward by the name of uh of Josef Polson who has been a member of the team since they were in the third division in the Bundesliga not even not even actually really all that long ago Leipzig was a team that was purchased by uh, not surprisingly, the Red Bull Corporation, and they just have dumped uh, really billions of dollars into developing Leipzig as uh, you know, kind of a a marketing arm for the team. And he's played for them, you know, for for his entire adult life. He has been a member of the team, and very often in professional soccer, will you see the guys who come from lower tiers actually start and play games for the team at the higher division? So always a really cool story when that does in fact happen. And we are uh, we are there with Yusef Polson. Uh, I think one of the other really interesting games from the weekend is the Borussia Mönchengladbach Eintracht Frankfurt game. And, uh, I know all of those, uh, all of those names, you know, throwing them all at you guys, throwing them all at you guys here. It, uh, it definitely sounds a little bit confusing, but the reason why these games are so interesting is that Frankfurt is first off, you know, just a fantastic team for daily fantasy, Philip Caustic and, uh, um, 
They have a winger by the name of Daiche Kamada, who is uh, both. Basically, both of those guys are just fantastic for daily fantasy. But uh, Bruce Munch and Gladback in this game was able to score three goals and you know continue their ascent uh, up the table. Basically, so with with that finish, they were able to move ahead of RB Leipzig. RB Leipzig in the table, uh, Bayer Leverkusen, RB Leipzig, and Borussia Mönchengladbach are all in a fight to make the Champions League. So again, for those who don't know, uh, basically the whole goal for teams in these leagues is to make the Champions League because if you were able to get in that format, you know there there's loads of money there waiting for you. Um, that making the Champions League, getting that TV money, getting those jersey sales, getting those gate sales, that is basically how you become a better team over mm-hmm. time and Munch and Gladback getting this win when Leipzig was only able to get the draw Bayer Leverkusen uh did again win this weekend but right now they are in fifth place so not eligible for the Champions League yet this was uh this was a huge result in a game that uh, they were not favored in actually Eintracht Frankfurt uh was favored in this game at home but uh you know basically a huge effort from Alessane Plee and uh Jans Hoffman in this game uh Basically, I mean, this was this was a, a legitimate upset, Pacheco. Yeah, certainly, and and I realize that Monte Gladback won three to one, but Davis, the the box score looked pretty close uh, from like from a possession standpoint, from a shot differential standpoint. In fact, you, you could argue this this might have been one of the closer games, uh, simply just by tracking like their shots, possession, uh, touches. Things were pretty close through and through, so it, it was certainly an upset. But I, I, I like I, I, I guess I was marvelled by the fact that it, it ended up being three to one. But a lot of these things, like say that the game was closer than the, the score might indicate. Yeah, so that I mean that is you know just a, a great thing overall to note about uh, to to note about wagering on soccer, following soccer is that. Sometimes you get lucky and sometimes you don't get lucky and individual games are just going to have loads more variance than the average, uh, you know, let's, let's say the average basketball game. Um, I, I would actually really compare these results a lot of the times to baseball games, more or less, where in baseball games, we are just going to see loads and loads and loads of individual variants. So, you know, mm-hmm. the shots were very equal in this game. Um, uh, a great metric for people to get to know for these games, Pacheco, is um, expected goals. So expected goals sort of does the same thing that, uh, you know, Pythagorean win-loss would do in football or, you know, what we try to do with WOBA and XFIP uh, in baseball, where we take uh, shot locations, um, we take who's taking the shot, you know, right. we take goalie positioning, we take all of that into account in a good expected goals model, and that tells you what the scoreline should be. The expected goals scoreline for this game, obviously, much closer than the 3 1 scoreline did actually show, where we get, you know, 15 shots for Borussia Munch and Gladbach, 12 shots for Eintracht Frankfurt. Uh, I guess, I guess one thing you could point to if you were backing the uh, Frankfurt side is that they were they were just you know kind of way more they were they did way more in possession. Uh, mm-hmm. Also, I mean, probably the most frustrating thing in in betting soccer is there's not really anything you can do when a penalty gets called, which is what happened in this game. This was a pretty competitive game, and then uh, you know we get uh, we get in the 73rd minute a penalty gets called. Rami right. Bensabiani takes the penalty, scores the penalty because a penalty takes a chance that would have been. 
let's say let's say that if a player receives the ball in the box, what you know, optimistically, we'll say there's a 50% chance that that ball turns into a goal. Well, when a penalty gets called, I mean, penalties get scored at like a 90, 95% clip, Pacheco. They, right. more than anything else, they really do have the ability to change games. Oh, no doubt about it. I think the, the other thing that really swung this game, and I think did so pretty early too, was the fact that Mönchengladbach scored twice in the first 10 minutes of the game, uh, Davis. So, you know, they had all the momentum in that first half. And I realized that, the, the again, the box score was was much closer. But you get into that situation where you're down 2-0, it, it's going to be really difficult uh, to climb back. I, I thought Frankfurt did a good job of, of certainly trying to do so. Uh, but, again, 2-0, then they end up scoring that goal in the 81st minute. Uh, you know, and, and they make it a little bit more competitive. But at, at that point, you know, it, it was game over. Um and that's just the way it goes in soccer. You know, you score twice in the first 10 minutes, you're going to have all the momentum in the world. For sure. So some of the other results from this weekend, Hertha Berlin beats Hoffenheim 3-0. Uh, to zero. That game, uh, you know, again, not uh, not particularly close. And uh, it was uh, it was just sort of a, a stellar performance. Uh, but again, for I guess it is important to know for Daily Fantasy, Pacheco, you know, one of the things that we talked about in uh, our episode last week where we discussed the Bundesliga is, you know, these teams that trail in these games, uh, they they end up being awesome for daily fantasy because when you're trailing, you know, you're not you're not really focusing on defense. You're focusing a lot more on your the offensive side. So you're moving way up the pitch. So this is this game is a great example. Hoffenheim takes 18 shots in this game. They take seven corner kicks and they get loads and loads of contributions from their fullbacks, Pavel Katterbeck uh, and uh, Philip Zuber over on, or Steven Zuber over on the other side. You know, these wide players are just really, really incentivized to continue, uh, you know, to continue pushing the ball up the pitch. So I, I think, uh, you know, a, a, a nice little thing to view moving forward is definitely going to be, you know, just I, I think in the Bundesliga, because I, I think defenses are struggling a little bit, uh, I think something that to target in these daily fantasy contests is going to be guys who are like like plus 200, plus 300 underdogs. You know, not not huge underdogs, not uh, like Union Berlin players, but just because the, the skill level between these teams is, you know, kind of closer than it isn't. I definitely think something I'm going to be focusing on is, you know, just really small underdogs in some of these mid-tier games. Uh, the the one thing I was saying was that you know we'll see how long it takes for defenses and, and the goalkeepers uh, to adjust because I, I know it was one weekend but how much will that one weekend impact things uh, moving forward I, I guess we're, we're about to find out shortly. Yeah, we definitely will. So we are going to go ahead and head into break here on the Daily Rotor Hour. We'll be back in just a few moments. And when we get back, we are going to take a look at some of the daily fantasy contests on DraftKings to see how things shook out, which players were important, which players were not important, how we're going to find differentials. Uh, We'll talk a little bit about wagering on these games for the upcoming weekend as well. As long as sports are back, we will be here on SportsGrid wagering on them. DailyRoto.com. Learn from the game's best DFS players. We don't just give you premier advice. We play every day. 
all major sports, all year round, we never stop. Industry-leading DFS tools and custom projections. And now, the DailyRoto.com Optimizer. In minutes, build an optimized lineup for cash games and tourneys. Learn from the game's best DFS players. Join DailyRoto.com. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, at the very least, as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating Cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And guess what? So are we. Just in case you forgot, I'm Tori Deal. I'm a six-time finalist and a Challenge champion. And I'm Anissa Ferreira, and I've been gracing your screens for the last two decades. I am a veteran challenger and challenge all-star. And speaking of all-stars, All-Stars 4 is finally here. I'm going to be honest. I literally thought this day was never going to come. Well, the challenge gods have answered our prayers, and we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, redemption seekers, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. Anyone can win, relationships matter, and only one all-star will claim the title of challenge champion. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Kids. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Daily Roto Hour here on SportsGrid TV. I'm Davis Maddock, joined by Chris Pacheco as we run through some of the results from the Bundesliga this weekend, uh, talk a lot about the box scores and some of the gambling outcomes of those games in the first segment. Uh, now I want to transition our attention towards Daily Fantasy Pacheco because that is where you know a lot of my attention for these games is going to go. And I think right now without you know really reliable modeling and stuff, and also you know we don't have a ton of player props available for these games as well. Uh, you know I think some of the individual player knowledge for these contests is going to suit me better in, in the Daily Fantasy contest on DraftKings and FanDuel. So uh, I have uh, you know all of my results and all the contests uh, sitting here from these games, and I thought we would work back you know looking at the Monday showdown slate looking at uh, some of the Sunday stuff as well and then get back into the big slate on uh, on Saturday mm -hmm. so 
The first thing that you need to know about playing Showdown for Daily Fantasy Soccer is that a lot of the times your incentives for creating lineups are really not going to be aligned with the rest of the player pool because what you will see is that the player pool really aggressively uses these goal scoring players, Pacheco. So, you know, forwards who do not have any responsibility on dead balls. They're not generating peripheral stats. Those players are generally really bad showdown plays because the Mm -hmm. average soccer game doesn't feature that many goals. And, you know, what is a player like Kai Havertz going to do when he doesn't score any goals? Well, well, he's not going to, he's not really going to score that many points. So for example, Uh, His last game before the Monday showdown slate against Eintracht Frankfurt, he had one goal and one assist and only 19 DraftKings points. That means that he scored two DraftKings points without a scoring point at all, right? So that's, you you really, those are not the players you're going to focus on. However, in this contest, we are sitting here looking at how owned was Kai Averts in the captain and overall, he was owned in 80% of lineups and he was 30% owned in the captain. Uh, and then Pacheco, why don't you tell the people what he happened to do in this game? Yeah, well, of course he ends up scoring twice <laughs> to, to your demise, uh, Davis. Uh, I yeah. know that that really did you in, but uh, it, I, I think your point is is really well taken. I, the thing for me is I uh, like he was priced pretty highly, so right. I didn't understand why he was so high owned. I guess especially especially at captain. I mean, he was 30% on at captain, 80% overall in these DraftKings contests. I thought that that was pretty hefty ownership. I realize it's showdown. It's, it's only one game. And I, I know that he had to have some ownership. But 80% at 30 at captain, I thought was really, really hefty. Of course, it, it ends up paying off for, for the peeps. Yeah, I mean, so I, you know, a lot of what we see in showdown is that, you know, first off, uh, the interests are... Your, your interests are really just not aligned a lot of the time with the player pool. So, you know, if you are taking a strategy that's more focused on peripheral scoring, you know, more focused on on finding the guys who do well um, at uh, at median outcomes, really what's going to happen with that a lot of the time is that uh, in games that do turn really high scoring, you know, Leverkusen scores full four goals, uh, Werder Bremen scores in this game only one uh, one goal, but five goals. So you, th- you think, okay, well, that's a lot of points that come from goals. That's a lot of points that come from assists. We mm-hmm. know that, uh, you know, we know that that just is going to skew things, especially when popular captain options score. So like showdown going forward, I think one of the things you need to think of, especially if you're playing, you know, three-man contests, five-man contests, double-ups, head-to-heads, is that uh, in the slates that turn really high scoring, you are, you're going to get demolished, right? Because it's really like if a guy scores 30 points and then, you know, 45 in the captain slot, like it just, it doesn't really matter how well your other guys do in terms of producing peripheral points. Uh, You're just, you're just going to lose. And another thing that we saw in this slate, Pacheco, is when a defender scores and you do not have that defender due to the way that the pricing works because the defenders are so inexpensive, again, you are also, you know, just basically dusted off if you do not have that defender. So for MME, because we do see huge prize pools for Showdown, right? We see, we literally saw 50K to first happen uh, in in Showdown for this slate. So uh, I think a, a great MME strategy is basically to have exposure to all defenders, you know, all the center backs on both teams, because uh, and especially if you take an overweight stance on one of those guys and, and they do happen to score a goal, it's kind of like I mean, it's it's like literally like you will have uh, you will unlock, you know, all of the winning combos, basically. 
that kind of reminds me a little bit, just a little bit, Davis, of having exposure to say like catchers uh, in in baseball. Yeah. Like, you know, typically at that position, you 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 don't have you know dominant players except you know a couple of them, like maybe a Gary Sanchez. Uh, or, or something like that. But typically what you end up doing at catcher is punting and you want to spread out your exposure so you, you, you don't put all your eggs in one basket um, because the position just really isn't great in general. But if you get to capture that home run from a catcher in an MME contest, you know that could vault you up in the standings. That really reminds me of the defensive back position uh, in soccer where I actually see uh, the defenseman that you're talking about, Mitchell Weischer, uh, he ended up being in the winning lineup, uh, generating 25 drafting, drafting points in the captain spot while being 1% owned in that spot. So really reminds me a lot of, of that catcher position uh, in baseball. I think I think there is something to say for making egregious lineups, basically, in soccer, because ownership is going to be pretty efficient. You know, we're going to see guys like, so in this Monday slate, this Bayer Leverkusen game, uh, you know, we saw Kareem Demirbai, who is the primary set piece taker for Bayer Leverkusen. He was 65% owned, 19% owned in the captain. Uh, Leandro Bittencourt was, uh, I think, you know, one of the guys who did actually create um, an edge in the slate. Uh, and then as well, uh, Milo Rashika, who is a winger and set piece taker for Werder Bremen. He was really owned in this slate as well 18% owned in the captain I think Pacheco there is a a really great argument to be made uh essentially that uh fading guys who are going to be really high owned who don't have loads of goal upside so I think mm -hmm. uh you know Rashika definitely would be one of those guys um Demir Bai would be another I know he did score a goal in this game but because those guys are so owned by the population I, I think in showdown contests specifically, there is some logic to, you know, maybe matching the field, maybe going underweight on the field for those guys and going overweight on the Kaya Verts types who are, you know, kind of the kind of the goal dependent players, because you're much more likely to be winning uh, these GPPs if you are getting, you know, 30, 40 points from guys uh, that are, you know, only 60 percent owned, basically. Yeah, I thought the. That fella, uh, Leonardo Bittencourt, that you mentioned, yeah. he had six crosses uh, yeah. in this game. So, you know, he, with with that type of guy, like, he, he doesn't end up actually scoring a goal, but he, he generates 17 drafting points alone on, on just, like, crosses and, and peripheral statistics. So I, I, I agree with your point. It, it makes sense to me. Yeah. So I and I'm not trying to tell people to like play bad on purpose, but right. uh, and and actually, you know, if I would have known that Leandro Bittencourt was only going to be 28 percent owned, I probably would have attacked MME way harder in this slate. You know, I probably would have entered more teams because he was a wing player for Werder Bremen, who was expected to take some set pieces. And generally, you're going to get ownership with guys like that at like 40 to 50%. So coming in at closer to 30, 33%, that guy becomes, you know, a, a really big value. So I want to go ahead and uh, turn our attention to the Saturday five-game slate because, you know, I, I think people like the five-game slates more than they like, uh, you know, more than they like the showdown stuff. So taking a look at the winning team, there, there was a really interesting thing that happened in this slate, which is that uh, Giovanni Reyna was scheduled to be in the starting lineup for Dortmund. He gets pulled out of the starting lineup, like literally probably five minutes before. Uh, 
a lot of people were wanting to play Rafael Guerrero for his set pieces. Um, however, when Giovanni Reina got subbed out, we saw that Thorgan Hazard actually was going to take a bunch of the free kicks, a bunch of the corner kicks for uh, Borussia Dortmund. And I don't know how many people were really putting that stuff together. So in the big uh, 100K GBP, 20K to first on DraftKings, uh, Guerrero ends up being 18.3% owned. Uh, Julian Brandt, who was the sub in for Giovanni Reina, ends up being 7.3% uh, owned. And Thorgan Hazard was you know, really not even owned at all in uh in this gbp so i i won i think the guy who won the 20k i think his lineup got super lucky where he plays uh he plays uh brant from borussia dortmund rafa g from borussia dortmund uh rafael berkey the goalie for dortmund and erling brat holland you know i think that uh reina subbing out definitely has a positive impact but i think one thing we learned is that um ownership is not going to be changing that much on new information because uh you know, basically with uh, Thorgan Hazard being in there, Rafael Guerrero should not have been owned at 18.3%. You know, we see he scores two goals. Pacheco, right. he didn't take any corner kicks in this game. And <laughs> actually, he only he only hits one cross in this game, but but bails everyone out with two goals, basically. And, and if you were watching the game, one of the goals he scored was totally normal in the run of play. You know, you're like, that's a fine goal for him to score. And then the other one was like a complete wonder goal where you're like, you know, you give him a hundred tries to do that. He never scores that one again. Yeah. To say that the individual got lucky is an understatement, but I mean, it's a GPP. It's a big GPP. Ultimately yeah. you're going to have to get lucky somewhere. Right. I mean, I, I yes. thought it was pretty interesting that the, the goalkeeper for BBB was actually just, uh, just like 10% owned um, and generated a, a really good score of 16 drafting points. Davis, was that surprising to you at all? You know, is, is goalkeeper a position that typically just has muted ownership in general where things are maybe a little bit more spread out? Yeah, so if there's not like one massive, massive favorite on the slate, like a minus 500 or, or so favorite, uh, you're really not going to see loads of ownership you know you're going to see a lot of guys at 10 percent 15 percent uh you know maybe maybe you'll get uh, one of the punt goalies so like one of the really cheap guys um right. you know maybe maybe you'll see one of those guys generate some ownership but like in this slate i would have uh i would have expected you know the most popular goalie to be the uh red bull leipzig goalie but uh you know mm -hmm. even even he did not generate uh loads of ownership whereas you know so had that um, Bayern Munich game been on this slate, you know, so had we had the, you know, minus 1200 favorite, we'd probably get Manuel Neuer in this slate, even though, you know, we talked all about goalkeeper strategy at being non-optimal to pay up for goalie. I right. would have expected him to be probably like 20% owned in this big slate. So this fella, uh, Jarstein, who, who uh, the goalkeeper for Hertha, yeah. he was just 4,300. And his profile is just so funny because... He has anywhere from negative drafting points, like legitimately a negative 4.4 performance, to a 24 and a half drafting points performance. I'm assuming the 24 and a half is likely one of the better goalkeeping performances of the entire season, uh, and he ends up being in the in the second place lineup. And he was just 4,300, so that that was just really um, an uh, observation from me. Like I. I First off, he's 50% owned and 4,300 and generates, you know, 14 and a half drafting points ended up being a pretty big deal too. Yeah. 
So uh, we are going to go ahead and head to break. And when we get back, we are going to discuss the 2018-19 Warriors drama. DailyRoto.com. Learn from the game's best DFS players. We don't just give you premier advice. We play every day. All major sports, all year round, we never stop. Industry-leading DFS tools and custom projections. And now, the DailyRoto.com Optimizer. In minutes, build an optimized lineup for cash games and tourneys. Learn from the game's best DFS players. Join DailyRoto.com. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, at the very least, as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating Cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And guess what? So are we. Just in case you forgot, I'm Tori Deal. I'm a six-time finalist and a Challenge champion. And I'm Anissa Ferrer, and I've been gracing your screens for the last two decades. I am a veteran challenger and challenge all-star. And speaking of all-stars, All-Stars 4 is finally here. I'm going to be honest. I literally thought this day was never going to come. Well, the challenge gods have answered our prayers, and we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, redemption seekers, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. Anyone can win, relationships matter, and only one all-star will claim the title of Challenge Champion. Listen to MTV's official Challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to our final segment here of the Daily Roto Hour on Sports Grid TV. I'm Davis Maddock, joined by Christopher Pacheco. Over our first three segments, we did a ton of analysis of the weekend in the Bundesliga. Going to change topics here as we get to our final segment on the Daily Roto Hour in celebration of the release of Ethan Sherwood Strauss's book, The Victory Machine. Uh, the author of that book is going to appear on the Sports Grid podcast entitled The Take Cast. You can search that on 
iTunes or uh, Google Play, wherever you listen to podcasts, it will be up. Uh, but we are going to talk about the 2018-19 Warriors and also, you know, the 2021 Warriors. You know, what what do we expect it? Uh, what do we expect it to look like? And Pacheco, my first question to you is: Even without Kevin Durant, do we think? Kind of, I kind of thought that the that the Warriors would still win. I I sort yeah. of believe that Kevin Durant, no Kevin Durant. I still sort of thought this is the Warriors. This is Steph Curry. This is Clay Thompson. This is Draymond Green. You know, I I still really did think they're going to win this series. They're going to beat the the Kawhi uh, the Kawhi Leonard led yeah. Raptors, and it and it didn't happen for you know a lot of different reasons. Oh, certainly. Um, I thought they were going to win too. I but obviously Clay got hurt. And that really shifted um, the momentum to the Raptors' side. I mean, look, did the Raptors deserve to win that series? Of course they did. Um, you know, was it a bit lucky in the fact that the, the Warriors ended up not having KD uh, and Klay Thompson in that series? You know, of course. And with any, of course, with any championship run, Davis, you have to get lucky somewhere. I mean, even those Warriors teams, we're talking about them getting this bad break in this finals, but let me remind you, when they went up against Cleveland, most of the time, of course, LeBron was healthy, but either Kyrie or Kevin Love was hurt in that series. So, like, no matter how great of a team you are, you're going to have to have some luck somewhere. So it's not, it's no diss against the Raptors, but they, they got lucky, and, and of course, uh, they ended up capitalizing. But I thought one of the bigger things that swung that series was that Clay Thompson injury. Once Clay went down... It was so easy for the Raptors to to go ahead and, and just put all their attention on Steph Curry. And the the Warriors just didn't have the depth pieces to counter that uh, once Clay went down. They just they really didn't have anyone else to rely on. Uh, I mean, you know, could Quinn Cook give you 20 to 30 points a game? You know, it, it wasn't going to happen for, for the Warriors once once Clay went down. Yeah. So first game of that series, Raptors win 118-109. Second game, Golden State uh, is able to take it back. Toronto wins again. Toronto wins again. So they're down 3-1. Then finally, you know, we get we get the announcement. Durant, he's coming back, right? Mm-hmm. We he he suffers the Achilles strain that we now think was probably closer to uh, a very small tear that turned into an Achilles pop in this game. Durant starts the game. He plays 11 minutes. He shoots three threes. He makes all of them, draws a free throw, makes both of them, is able to score 11 points in 11 minutes. You know, it, it's really looking like, wow, like they're they're going to be down 3-1 and they're going to do they're going to do the impossible. They're going to do what Cleveland did to them. And actually, even though Durant only plays 11 minutes, they're actually able to win this game. DeMarcus Cousins has uh, basically the best game of his career in terms yep. of uh, in terms of a playoff performance in this game. So he comes off the bench, plays 20 minutes, uh, shoots eight times, makes six of them, uh, gets to the free throw line. Really was an impressive performance from, from DeMarcus Green. Kevon Looney has a good game. And then pretty much it's, uh, you know, they, they never... I You know what? I guess I don't remember that game six being that close but it was 114 110 um in this game and you know i I think that maybe people are are not giving uh maybe people are not giving the warriors enough credit you know draymond played really well in that game and uh, if you look at if you look at the plus minus stuff this game was really lost when the bench played so in that game six Quinn Cook is a minus 16. You know, I don't even really know how that's possible. But the the 12 minutes that Quinn Cook played 
which basically coincided with the minutes that Clay Thompson and Steph did not play. You know, those minutes, they to win that game six, they would have had to have played Clay 48 minutes. They would have had to have played Steph 48 minutes. And what happened is Clay gets hurt, and, uh, you know, pretty yeah. much that's it. Like, you know, that that right there was kind of the bang that ended the Warriors' dynasty run, really. Yeah, I thought so, too. I mean, the KD stuff was, was really brutal because I, I think everyone realized that KD was likely not going to be a warrior uh, moving forward, Davis. But, like, ultimately, you know, it, the player's always going to want to play, right? And especially on the biggest stage. Uh, like, Durant had already won a championship, but, like, of course he's going to want to play. It's it's the team that has to kind of look out for the player and, and be like, hey, you you know, you're still banged up, and it's this is still a really meaningful injury, so you can't go. But, like, ultimately, you know, whose fault is that, Davis? Like, Kevin Durant wanted to play, ultimately. And if the player, if the player like, doesn't want to play, he's going to be the one to make that decision. And ultimately, I thought it was Kevin Durant's decision. Would he have pressure from Golden State to play that game? Of course he would have. But ultimately, it was his decision to play. He said yes, and of course, he ends up getting getting a you know a pretty significant injury. Yeah, uh, and and you know I gotta I gotta admit, um, I sympathize a lot with Kevin Durant. So you know, one I get the. I mean, the most the thing that frustrates people the most about KD is that he seems to get annoyed by everything. You know, he gets annoyed by people trolling him on Twitter, gets, you know, got annoyed at Ethan Sherwood Strauss for writing the not even really that negative of a story about him, just reporting like, yeah, he's going to leave at the end of the year. He is not going to be a member. He's not going to be a member of the team um, anymore. And, uh, you know, if you are more interested in all of the inside and outsides of that, I would definitely read The Victory Machine. I think it's a, a, a fantastic book, but you know, really, at the end of the day, Durant, I think, just seems like a guy who wants to be loved. And uh, I also think, Pacheco, there is kind of a comparison between how annoyed Kevin Durant gets with uh, with his various haters mm-hmm. and um, Michael Jordan, right? The, the, we just watched the entire Michael Jordan documentary, and it was all about... Um, oh, this guy annoyed me, and uh, oh, I held this against him forever, and I hate LeBradford Smith for playing well against me, and I hate Isaiah Thomas, and I hate Bill Lambeer, and I hate uh, Clyde Drexler, and I hate uh, X, Y, and Z. And and, then the whole documentary is really, you know, all of The Last Dance was just kind of him airing his various grievances, and, uh, you know, what's really the difference between that and Kevin Durant hating on the people who hate on him online? You know, it really is. These are very similar things. Oh, very, very similar things. And of course, there's plenty of memes out there with, you know, Kevin Durant, like on his phone, uh, on Twitter, on his burner accounts, like, you know, all these great savings, they they have something that pushes them. Uh, and typically, it's the fact that they have these haters, but on, on a social media led era, um, you know, if, if you're going to get bothered by anything that, that people, you know, the Twitter warriors, the thumb warriors, are going to, to, to be going after you. Like, it, it's not going to be a great time because there's a lot of them out there. Everyone has an opinion, and now they can air it on Twitter. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, remember, um, Adam Silver comes on the uh, Bill Simmons podcast and says, I, you know, I am worried that our athletes are depressed and anxious, right? Like, he, yeah. he straight up says, like, I am worried about the mental health of guys like, Kyrie Irving of guys yeah. like Kevin Durant who like they these guys seem 
miserable because they spend too much time online. And I, I think I think you could argue that really one of the reasons why Durant left Brooklyn, why he seemed unhappy, was like because he he literally just couldn't get off the internet. And had he been able to spend less time on Twitter, less time on the internet, he'd still be a warrior and they'd still be you know winning titles. Sure. No, certainly. Uh, this is probably like a, a, a topic of discussion that I, I could probably spend four segments on, Davis, because uh, moving forward now for the Warriors, right, it's can they do it again? You know, can they get back to that big stage uh, and, and win another championship, especially now that, that Kevin Durant is not around? Look, they did it without KD before. Um, who's to say they can't do it now? Well, Challenge is, all these guys, of course, are older. Um, and specifically, Davis, I think they're going to ha- have a, a hard time if they can't get someone like Giannis on their roster uh, because I-, I thought the Draymond Green uh, contract extension was really not a good one. Um, Draymond had all the opportunity in the world this year, Davis, to display um, that he is uh, you know, better than he's even been over the last, uh, you know, over over his career while playing with Clay and and Curry, and he's always played either third fiddle or fourth fiddle when Kevin Durant was around. Even when Andre Gudala was around, you could argue he was playing fifth fiddle for for a lot of those games. Uh, this year, he averaged eight points and six rebounds and six assists. You know, is Draymond Green a good basketball player? Of course. Uh, can he have a really big impact uh, on basketball games? Absolutely. Is he a close to a $30 million player, which he's going to be slated to be towards the end of his contract? Absolutely not. And and in that even in that Raptor series, was he a good player? Absolutely. But the team, like, you need to score in basketball. And Draymond Green, most of the time, doesn't even isn't even able to score more than 10 points in a game, which I, I think is pretty detrimental to the team. Well, sort of what... I, I and Okay, so this point has been made by a lot of people, and it was made by, again, in, in the Victory Machine, which I encourage all of you to read, that the best basketball of Draymond Green's career came during that 27-game win streak when the Warriors were being coached by Luke Walton, and that, you know, that was the best that Draymond ever shot from three. That was the best he ever played on defense, and... Mm-hmm. I mean, I am not as anti-Draymond as you are, but we definitely this season did get our answer of uh, what would happen if Draymond signed a max contract with the Sacramento Kings or the Charlotte Hornets or whatever. Like, he sucked. And I don't really think it's his fault that he sucked because the style of basketball that he plays is really conducive to playing with other great players. And, you know, had Draymond not been drafted by a different organization and never played with great players, he never would have had those expectations. But... I think it is clear that relative to what Draymond's skills do, you know, not related to other players, so just in and of himself, uh, yeah, he's overpaid a little bit. Ultimately, if you're just going to pay that much money to to a, a star player, um, and, I, and I think that's the, the thing, like we have to argue whether Draymond is a star in this current NBA system or he isn't. And, and just in my opinion, he isn't. He's dependent on others for a lot of his production. And that's what we saw a lot of uh, this this uh, NBA season, which, as you mentioned, not all this is his fault. He really needs other players in order for his production to come. But that is also part of the problem. Yeah. 
Um, so I, I think my, my main takeaway is on, on the Warriors is I do expect them to be back. I think they're a brilliant organization. I think they grind those micro edges better than maybe anyone other than the Houston Rockets in terms of, you know, uh, running offense, you know, finding rules to exploit, you know, really just, really just in general, being able to figure things out better than other teams. But Curry's getting a little older. Who knows what we're going to get from Clay? I, I'm very excited to see what Bob Adams and or Bob Myers and all those guys are able to do. So everyone, that's going to do it for us here today on the Daily Roto Hour. We will see you back in uh, you know just a, a few short days, and uh, well, good luck until then. DailyRoto.com. Learn from the game's best DFS players. We don't just give you premier advice. We play every day. All major sports, all year round, we never stop. Industry-leading DFS tools and custom projections. And now, the DailyRoto.com Optimizer. In minutes, build an optimized lineup for cash games and tourneys. Learn from the game's best DFS players. Join DailyRoto.com. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, at the very least, as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And guess what? So are we. Just in case you forgot, I'm Tori Deal. I'm a six-time finalist and a Challenge champion. And I'm Anissa Ferreira, and I've been gracing your screens for the last two decades. I am a veteran challenger and challenge all-star. And speaking of all-stars, All-Stars 4 is finally here. I'm going to be honest. I literally thought this day was never going to come. Well, the challenge gods have answered our prayers, and we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, redemption seekers, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. Anyone can win, relationships matter, and only one all-star will claim the title of Challenge Champion. Listen to MTV's official Challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Cain Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official Challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.